Welcome to the Fratello Podcast, brought to you by members from Fratello Watches. I'm Mike Stockton, coming to you from Frankfurt am Main, Germany. And I'm Robert Jan. I'm coming to you from The Hague in the Netherlands. How are you doing there, RJ? How are you, how are you, uh, are you hanging in there with this uh, coronavirus lockdown? Yeah, still hanging in there. Um, I have to say... Uh, being at home so much uh, makes me miss travel a bit, even hanging around in the airports. But uh, yeah, it's just a strange um, situation, basically. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, now I get stuff to do that I normally I, I, I don't get to do. Um, so I'm a bit more in the office these days and uh, getting some work done and some work done that, uh, that has been uh, on my plate for ages. And uh, yeah, it's not a... Not a terrible thing. I think the only, perhaps I mentioned it last time, um, the only times I really am um, exposed to the fact that we live in this corona era is when I go to a supermarket. Yeah. It's strange, yeah. right? Yeah. And a bit empty streets. I uh, published a picture on my Instagram stories on my private Instagram uh, account last week of a, a street in front of me that was completely empty. And normally there's always traffic there. So that's a bit of a surreal situation. But otherwise, I mean, if you're home or in your office just working or, I don't know, being at home doing the stuff you do at home. Not much um, different, right? Yeah, there's not much difference. No, no. Yeah, I think it's funny. This week was actually harder for me than last week. I think it just sort of set in and I kind of like you miss the travel and miss just getting around. But you know, as the week went on, um, it got a little better. I find for some reason Sundays and Mondays are tough right now, just because Sunday I know I've got to start work again. And that really just means walking, you know, three meters to another room, (laughs) but, uh, and also just usually there's a lot, there, there's some news on the weekend that, that we have to digest and deal with on Monday. But, um, yeah, it, it's so. I, so I've noticed a couple things. I mean, I go for a run as often as I can. I find it just clears my head. But obviously, it's it's good fitness wise. And here in Germany, I mean, it's um, we've got rules in effect, but it's certainly not as strict as somewhere like Austria. And it got to a point where I stopped running in the park, which I like to do, but mm-hmm. I stopped doing it. It was too crowded. And, um, yeah. I went today during lunch and it was a bit overcast, so it wasn't very crowded. I, I finally tried the park again. So that was kind of weird. Um, the other thing, if you've been following our account, we, we now, uh, on, on Instagram, we post, you know, once or twice a week as I find a cool car to, to feature. Um, I have noticed that with this incredible weather and the lack of cars on the road, you do see more classic cars out because I think people feel like, Hey, I can actually go drive them and not worry about traffic. And it's, it's, it's sort of one of the weird, uh, the weird things that is, that that's happened here, but, um, yeah, it, it, it's still strange. And I think, uh, Hopefully, this behavior we're starting to see in some countries, some some things start to look a little positive. So, let's see what the next month brings us. But 
both of us are, and, and a couple others are, are working away on our remote control cars. I figure before doing our risk check, why don't, why don't we each talk uh, very briefly about what we're building right now? So what are you building right now, RJ? Or what are you about to build? Because I think you're in a in a in a I'm in an in-between phase. Yeah. Like in between in between jobs. Yeah. You see on LinkedIn with people. <laughs> I'm in between cars. And my last finish, latest finish was a Kyosho Tomahawk. Um, and I was not familiar with the brand uh, Kyosho uh, from my youth. I only know uh, knew uh, uh, Tamiya from from uh, the 80s and 90s. Um, but Kyosho was also a big brand, I think, from Japan in those those days, those that era. Yep. And um, yeah, you actually showed me the Tomahawk, and I really liked it, and I ordered it, and uh, it was a completely different build than the Tamiya cars that I have. Mm-hmm. It's a bit more uh, metal. The chassis looks a bit more solid. Um, there's a bit, there's a little less detail. So I think Tamiya is more about modeling, and uh, Kyosho is perhaps a bit more about uh, construction or something. Yeah. So I, I finished that one. I didn't drive it yet. Um, I drove it in my living room, uh, pissing off my wife. Nice work. Um, yeah, because they are quite uh, quick. And, uh, well, the living room is not that big. So it, uh, it, it, yeah, it bumps into everything. Um, I, or I have two cars. One is uh, already in, but it's for my birthday on April 13. So I have to wait until I can open it. It's a Tamiya Frog. So I already know what I'm getting. And the other one I just ordered last night, which is a Tamiya Avanti, which was on the uh, used to be on the um, Tamiya catalog from 1991 when I was a small boy. Um, that was the the car that I that I really yeah really loved, but it was very expensive. And funny thing is, I just had my dad on the phone like two hours ago, and he he ha- he has that catalog still, so he found it. Uh, but we can't see each other because of Corona. So we, we call a bit more often these days. And he just read the entire price list to me. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I made some notes. And the, the Tamiya Avanti back in 1991 was 895 Dutch guilders, wow. which is around 400 euro, yeah. uh, which is a, a, a like a the, the currency uh, um value or conversion that it was in uh, 99 when the euro was introduced so i guess with inflation and so on i think um, um that's much more money now than uh, than uh, it sounds uh it was more money then than it sounds uh, to be now and i ordered the car for 500 euro so it's a new car it's like a re-edition also in model cars they do re-editions a lot and they call them re-re's did you notice that? Re-release. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> re-release. So no re, re-edition or something. It's a re-release. A re-re. So this re-re was 500 euros. So I think it's, if you if you really look at it, I think it's uh, cheaper now than it was back then. Yeah. Inflation yeah. and so on. Yeah. It's not exactly the same car. It has some some different parts. But for that time, it was a high-tech car with carbon fiber, fiber and aluminum and so on. And um, I think they, they they upgraded some parts compared to the to the old one. So the re re is a bit more, um, um, yeah, a bit more modernized, yeah. I guess. So I'm waiting for that. So it will be in I think uh, in two or three days, and then I can start building that one, and I can finish it up right before my birthday, and then I get another one, which is the frog, which nice. I then will start building. Yeah. So so you so. Um... And we'll give a shout out to the site that both of us have been ordering from. It's called Tamico, T-A-M-I-C-O, punct D-E or dot D-E. And 
It's awesome. Awesome service. The prices are good. And yeah, so, so I just finished the Tomahawk as well. And, um, I'm, I'm nearly complete with an Alfa Romeo Julia GTA. Uh, that's a Tamiya kit as well. It's the first on road, uh, that, that any of us have done since we (laughs) picked up this new hobby and, or or re-picked up this. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. He did a Lancia, uh, Delta. Yeah. And yeah. And the, the alpha is super cool. I'm not quite done with detailing it yet. And then uh, my Avante actually came in yesterday. And it's funny, when I ordered it, uh, we had been looking at them for weeks and there were eight in stock. I ordered one, which brought it to seven. You went and looked and it was six. And I guess you said when you ordered it, um, now there's only one left. So I ordered, I ordered it last evening because I noticed that there were still three. And then mm-hmm. I said, oh, this is going fast, so I have to order one. So I ordered one quickly uh, last evening or la- late afternoon. And then this morning I looked, and there's only one left. <laughs> so if you want one, you should be fast. Because they, they, I think these are uh, have a limited production number. And since last uh, few days or last weeks, they sell out quite uh, quite rapidly. Uh, I guess more people fa- re-found this hobby. Yeah, they're just um, sitting at home building stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly, and um, I'm, I, I also find myself looking at YouTube videos of people building it. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Yeah, but it's a fun, it's a fun hobby, and still, I think all in, if we look at uh, what we're spending on this, it's far less expensive than uh, what we often do with watches. So, as crazy as it sounds, it's uh, still relatively harmless in comparison. So, well, I spent almost two k in a month. Well, again, I mean, it just depends what kind of watches you're buying. So that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that we we've spent a few minutes on our uh, RC car stuff. So yeah. Sorry, and excuse excuse me for those uh, for those who aren't into it. But hey, this keep, now you will. Yeah, now you will, or or maybe you'll refine this like we did. But so let's move on to the Hangelenk controller. And RJ, let's start with you. What are you wearing today? Something uh, very new. It's a, a 2020 release. It's not mine. It's here for review. Uh, I'm in the office. Uh, Bertie is in his office uh, across the hall. Uh, he's doing uh, uh, video shoots and some photo shoots. And I, uh, I just grabbed uh, a watch from the table. It's a Grand Seiko SBGH279. Mm-hmm. Um, it was introduced this year. It's like a 44GS style or design. Uh, or officially, I need to say a homage to 44GS. And it has this gray dial, which is totally awesome. It looks really stunning. It's gray, but we also took some pictures outside. And it depends a bit on the light and where you stand and what other colors are around you. But it goes from all the way from, from, from light gray to brown. Nice. It, yeah, it's super cool. And um, it was a bit of a soft release, I think. It's a new release for Grand Seiko uh, this year. Um Nothing much has been published around it. They are uh, in the boutique and they are on the Grand Seiko website. And we'll be doing a video on them and some uh, some written articles. But it's really it's a cool piece. It's it's like the Grand Seiko that I have myself, the GMT high beat. Only this is one without GMT, basically. So it's a three-hander uh, high beat. So the, the case is a bit thinner than, than mine, which is relatively thick. But this one is uh, a bit thinner. 13.3 millimeters or something so it's still not very thin but it's uh yeah it's nice i have to say i uh, really uh, like this watch um the thing is that with the snowflake and with the, the one i have the mount iwate as they 
call it. Uh, it has a little motif or structure in the dial, as you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, these, this, this model, the two, uh, uh, 279, and uh, you also have the 277, which is a silver uh, dial. They don't have a structure. So the silver dial has sunburst, and this one has a little, yeah, kind of a brushed effect on the dial, but not a not, not a motive or something. So that, that that's a bit different, but uh, super cool watch. I really enjoy wearing it. And um, yeah, I said to myself, next Grand Seiko should be a spring drive. So I keep to, uh, I, I try to, to stick to that. But this one would really be a nice... Uh, contester as well for my uh, wish list yeah well there's no shortage of of good choices and as we'll see here today we're going to talk about brand seiko the announcements that have come so far um but yeah so i'm wearing my 1972 rolex gmt master 1675 with the uh i guess somewhat typical pepsi bezel and i picked this watch up guess it was what is this now well it's april so i picked this up a year and a half ago when i was over in the u.s and i actually bought it from eric wind who many of you will know um i had been in the market for 1675 for a while and i think like a lot of popular vintage watches like a submariner or speedmaster it can be tough to find a good one one that really jumps out at you and and says um yeah, it's clean enough. It's it's got honest wear and things like that. And really, with Rolex, I mean, it's gotten to a point where I I don't do a ton of home cooking or or on these. Meaning, I don't, I don't go out and take a gamble so much on Rolex because that it, it is an area that's fraught with uh, all kinds of fakes and and redials and other things. And okay, maybe aside from buying from a friend or something, I really kind of leave it up to a couple couple folks out there, generally Eric or, or uh, the Davidoffs uh, in Switzerland. And yeah, Eric stumbled across uh, a watch that he had known and uh, came out of the US. And yeah, very nice. I mean, what, what I will say is very interesting about these uh, Rolexes from this period is that when you look at the lugs and I mean, I'm not going to go as far to say this is unpolished, but it sure looks like it could be from the the lug holes. Um, you know, they're not rounded. If you look at the holes, you know, the, the, the chamfers or what some people call the horns are woefully inconsistent um, from, from example to example, and even on the piece itself. And there was a lot more hand finishing at that point versus today, which is, obviously much more robotic, um, but it's a nice watch. And I, and I think that, you know, what the GMT brings in versus a Submariner is a, is a thinner case. And I think that also, while I think a sub is a absolutely fantastic watch and very versatile, um, there is something nice about the the color and that bezel and, and the pop that it brings, um, against a dial that is, pretty much the same as every Rolex being very black and white, let's say. So it's a nice watch and I enjoy wearing them a lot. So cool. Yeah. I had a few of those and, um, I should have bought yours. (laughs) Yeah. I had one from 71, which I bought and sold in an early stage, like in 2003 or 2004. And I had a 77 from my year of birth, a GMT, um, which I had for uh, four years or something, and then I, I traded it or sold it to fund something else. 
I have to say, a GMT is really, I think, my favorite. I don't own one right now. I've been looking at a 16710, so GMT Master 2. I had one of those as well in the past. I bought one new, I think, in 2005 or 2006. And I think I bought it new for below 4,000 euros from a dealer. Mm -hmm. Um, But the prices are crazy. There was one for sale last week for 10 point something. And I thought that's just too much for what it is, basically. It's It's, expensive. uh, Doesn't make sense. I really like it. I have a, like, uh, I have a new Submariner, for example, which I like, but perhaps I I like the GMT2 a bit better. So I thought, oh, perhaps I can do a, a swap or a switch. But I can't find myself trading um, a Submariner plus cash for uh, for a GMT two uh, from two thousand five or two thousand six. That doesn't make sense to me. No, um, no, I I agree. And you know, I have this watch. I have a sixteen seven fifty, which is pretty similar, um, but has the quick set date and the upgraded movement. And then I do have a one sixty seven ten that I bought very close uh, to when I moved. Uh, to Germany. And I bought it uh, from a guy who owned a Ford uh, car dealership in Koblenz. And I remember going to the dealer, I think it was on a Sunday. So obviously they were closed, but I met him there and did the transaction. And the watch was fully complete, boxes, papers, everything. And the pricing was similar to what you mentioned around 4,000. And I, I like the watch, but to me, it, it it lacks kind of the character of the vintage models. And what I really dislike about it, uh, because it is a model with um, without drilled uh, lugs, is oh, yeah. that yeah, that the end links are are solid and they they kind of jut out. The middle link kind of yeah. sticks out, and it just isn't yeah. comfortable on my wrist compared to the older style. But yeah, that true. being said, it's a nice watch. It's a nice watch. So it is. And um, I, I just pops in my mind that I, last week I saw on the Instagram uh, account from Andrew from Time and Tide Watches. Oh, uh, yeah. Yep. Colleagues from Australia. He was rocking this uh, this new GMT uh, in steel and Everos. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, that they introduced, uh, what was it, last year? A year, year couple of years before, yeah. Yeah, 2018 back. or something, I think. And um, yeah, every time I look at that watch, I think, oh, that that that's that's a nice GMT. Yeah, I agree. And then if I look at the the price they ask for a uh, sixteen seven ten, then yeah, it's not too far away from a new uh, um, bicolor GMT Master Two, and um, yeah, that that fits me just better. A bit of gold. Yeah, I think I I think that current root beer model in in uh steel and gold i i talking about traveling i mean i still remember one of the last flights i took there was a guy uh putting his luggage above the above the seat and when he he did that um his watch poked out of his sleeve and there it was the uh two-tone root beer and it's a it is a good looking watch i mean i but i but i thought those as well were also selling for for a slight premium too but maybe maybe that will change now yeah, I think they, they, they. I think the 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 Bicolor GMT is around the retail price. That's not too far off. But the steel, the new steel GMTs doesn't make sense to me. It's ridiculous. No, I agree with you. Um, I, I can't agree. see why anyone would spend over retail anyway. But uh, twice retail, twice the retail price is just nuts. That's insane. Um, yeah. Let's ha- slip off to the the, the Grand Seiko models. They released a bunch of. 60th anniversary models to commemorate the yeah well the 60th anniversary of Grand Seiko that was uh, um, introduced in 1960 
the brand was introduced in 1960, and of course, the first Grand Seiko watch as well. So they have a like recreation, as they call it, at Grand Seiko or re re of the 1960 uh, um, original model, and they have some more uh, Grand Seiko models that they uh, they showed to um, to us to celebrate the 60th anniversary. Um, we did a more in-depth article on the Grand Seiko Diver, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also have some 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 other models uh, introduced um, with special dials or special materials. Uh, there's also a watch with like a hand engraved dial that looks really amazing. Um, so yeah, let's let's talk about these watches for a while. Yeah, why don't why don't you start us off with the the big diver because I think you actually penned that article. Yeah, I did. Um, I haven't seen the watch in the flesh because it wasn't there yet. Uh, as for some background information, we were invited to come to Tokyo for the Grand Seiko Summit, um, and it was still all go, um, but it was cancelled right after um, Swatch Group cancelled their time to move. I think Grand Seiko also decided to cancel their um, their Grand Seiko Summit in uh, in Tokyo, which is a pity. We were looking very much forward to to go there and and, and see the new watches. Um, one of the watches they showed us um, uh, at the Seiko office here in the Netherlands uh, on, on pictures, uh, so to speak, is the Grand Seiko Diver. Um, it's not entirely like a new model. Uh, there was a similar model in the past. Um, it was the SBGH257 from 2017, I think. Yeah. They made quite a, a, a big diver uh, 47 or 46.9 or something, just below 47 uh, millimeters. They made a high-intensity titanium uh, uh, diver. Um, that one has been uh, uh, reused, basically, for this uh, 60th anniversary. It's a 600-meter water-resistant model uh, with a crown at, at 4 o'clock. Uh, it has this dark blue uh, dial. And uh, it, the, I think the most important change is that it has a new movement. <coughs> so the novelty about this watch is the Caliber 9R A5 uh, spring drive movement, um, which is uh, like a new generation of the, the, the spring drive. It has a five-day uh, power reserve, and it has a like this new IC package. The, the IC is the internal circuit that basically... Um, the watch is, is is powered by uh, uh, yeah self it's self winding so it's 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 a mechanical uh, uh, movement you could say um, it doesn't charge a, a mainspring or a or a battery it uh, the energy is being is directly being used um, and is being controlled by this by this uh, IC and a quartz crystal for uh, yeah super accuracy basically and this new version has a new IC that has a rate of plus minus 10 seconds, 10 seconds per month on, uh, on average. Um, yeah, which, which is like a new step for spring drive and, uh, and accuracy. Uh, normally, Grand Seiko, uh, normal models like the model I'm wearing today is uh, minus three plus five seconds a day. And here we're talking about plus minus 10 seconds per month. So that's a huge uh, change, basically. Yeah, it's impressive. And I have to say, the, the watch looks impressive as well. Um, it's 700 pieces only. It's, high, like I said, a high-intensity titanium case and bracelet. I don't know what the clasp will look like because uh, on previous models, there was a bit of a 
uh, uh, one that I didn't like too much because of the, the extension system. So I don't know how they uh, how they made this one. Uh, we'll see. Um, but the bracelet looks good. Um, it's uh, four, just 46.9 millimeter in diameter, a thickness of 16. So it's by no means a small watch, not in diameter, but also not in, uh, not in thickness. Only 700 pieces and the price will be approximately uh, 11,500. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to see this, but more, even more so to try it on my wrist. Yep. I mean, I think I, I remember trying on the uh, piece from 2017, so the SBGH257, and the, the watch has shorter lugs than 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 perhaps most would think. So it works, but there's no doubt about it. It's a big watch, and yeah. it's not a at least for someone like myself, I couldn't pull this off on a on a daily basis, mm-hmm. but. You know, whereas the the last uh, model had kind of a yeah, a pattern dial that isn't all that different than from something like a Royal Oak, this this watch has a kind of a deep bluish purple dial, and honestly, I like it better. I think it looks really nice. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I was looking at at some of the comments on our article, and somebody said, "Oh, imagine if this were forty two millimeters," and yeah, that would be pretty cool. So. Yeah, but the, the previous ones had a, I think a smaller diameter, the SBGA two three one or two two nine. I think those were a, a tad bit smaller. Um, they look a bit different, but in the end, it's more or less the same watch. Um, only the, the, the position of the crown is different. Um, what's what what stayed with this watch as well is the um, the power reserve. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has um, uh, the power reserve indicator on the dial. And I, I had to look twice because the, the hour hand is quite big. And on the press pictures, it, it, you can barely see the, the power reserve indicator. That's yeah, um, true. It's true. It's at 10 o'clock. So, yeah, the hand covers yeah. up a lot of it. So it's 10 past 10 and it's not no, uh, no, uh, no worries there. Um, and I have to say um, it's the first time that I'm not really, really bothered by it. Um, I don't really um, prefer a power reserve on a dial for a self-winding watch. I think it makes more sense with a manual wind watch. There I can see the point of, of having a, a power reserve, but I think I pre- prefer the power reserve to be on the back. I'm with you. I'm with you. Nice watch. And I mean, look, at yeah. 11,500 and 700 pieces, this is a... This is clearly not a watch that that will speak to everyone and probably isn't meant to. So, no, I, I think, uh, and I think the price is um, um, quite quite interesting. I think for a watch with this with these specifications and especially with this with this new movement of uh, ten seconds per month or like a zero point uh, five seconds per day on average, yeah. um, it's it's quite amazing. Uh, the titanium is uh, intensity titanium. It's like forty percent lighter than, than than steel, so it's probably still a heavy watch due to the size. But um, I think for this price, it's it's I think it's less than a than a Rolex Deep Sea, and um, it's about the same as a Pro Prof. I think, which is also a serious dive for watch. Yep. Um, I think this this is uh, priced and positioned um, uh, spot on. Yeah, it's a, and it's hey, it'd be a unique choice, that's for sure. So yeah, definitely, definitely. Cool. So this is the first Grand Seiko 60th anniversary we uh, I, I wanted to mention, but I also have to say I really like 
the recreation models from the 60s. I think um, those are among my favorites. Those are uh, Grand Seiko dress watches, uh, three hands, and um, in three different models. Um, there is a model in gold. There's a model in platinum. And there is one in, uh, in titanium. And titanium is a bit of the, the odd choice, perhaps. But um, yeah, it looks, it looks interesting. But the gold one would be my pick with this beautiful, like a uh, vanilla colored or eggshell colored uh, dial. It's beautiful. Mm. Yeah, and these are these are nice. I mean, they're manually wound, so they use the 9S64. They're um, 38 millimeters in diameter with, you know, less than 11 millimeters in height. So I think a perfect size for just about any wrist. And yeah, it looks like the and, the pricing what comes in at about 8,300 for the zeros for, for the titanium, 27,000 for gold and 39,000 for platinum. So yeah, um, serious money, but serious watches. And um, the gold dress watch, uh, all dress watches, um, they lack a date, which I really applaud. Um, they look very clean. It's a very yeah. It's a it's really a dress watch, and um, I, I even wouldn't have not mind to get rid of the second hand, to be honest. But for some people, that's a bit too minimalistic. But um, yeah, I have to say, I really like this uh, this execution. And if I'm not mistaken, if if we're looking at the dials, the Grand Seiko name is actually at least on the uh, platinum version. It's kind of inscribed into the the. The face of the watch, which is, I think, looks pretty amazing. Yeah, um, and these aren't limited, so I mean, they're they're regular production models, correct? Um, yeah, they're regular production models, I think, and um, they will be available starting in June. So I think you can put in your order already, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the titanium with a blue dial, I think, looks gorgeous. Um, it's it's really a nice-looking watch. and it, it is. Yeah, the blue is very nice. You know, th- this, this dress watch, um, high-end dress watch area, I know isn't the, isn't the media darling type article that uh, a dive watch or a chronograph typically is. But, you know, when I'm walking in Frankfurt in front of all the, the high-end watch boutiques, it is a lot of dress watches that, that fill the windows from all the very famous Swiss brands. And of course now you're seeing Grand Seiko. And, you know, when you look at some of the, the watches from the, you know, the Audemars, the Patek and, and these folks, okay, most of those are in precious metal and they're 25 to 35,000 euros, but this titanium watch, um, at 8,300 or even the gold at 27. I mean, that's a whole different price range. I, yeah. I think they're quite competitive. And I mean, as we've spoken about the finishing you're getting here is tremendous. So I think it's yeah. hopefully people will try them. I think um, for somebody looking for that special uh, occasion or that to, to mark a, an anniversary and, and pick up a beautiful dress watch, these grand Seiko should be checked out. I mean, they should be, absolutely impressive in person yeah yeah i think so too and um these are i think among my favorites and talking about favorites i think um my my most favorite model from the grand seiko lineup that we have seen so far because i guess it's 60th anniversary so they will be showing some more 
watches to us uh, this year. But so far, it's the SLGH002. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a gold watch. And it's, of course, I like gold, as you know. But um, it's, it's not only about that. It's, it's the case shape. It's, so it's a 44GS style uh, case shape. But it's also about the movement. It has an, a high beat movement. But it's uh, uh, reconstructed. Um, it's a 9SA5. Um, which the, the spring drive that we just uh, talked about for the diver was the 9RA5. Uh, the high beat uh, mechanical is an, a 9S, and this is the A5 uh, version. Um, that's like a new generation of, of, of high beat movements for Grand Seiko. Mm-hmm. It's very thin or thinner than it used to be um, by 15% or so. And I hope that they will start implementing this movement in steel models or, let's say, more affordable models in the future as well. Uh, Because it has more uh, power reserve. It has 80 hours instead of 55. And it has a new escapement. They call it a dual impulse escapement. And when it was released or when the news came out, uh, a lot of people asked whether this was the same as Omega's uh, coaxial escapement. which it isn't basically, mm-hmm. um, because the coaxial is like two escapement wheels on on one axis. But Grand Seiko comes with their dual impulse escapement. You can read all about it on on a Fratello article that I did uh, early March or mid March um, on this watch. Just uh, search on a website for SLGH002 or dual impulse escapement, and you will find it. And I think yeah, it's a very interesting movement that they put in this. I don't know if if we can even still use that word, uh, flagship watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really feel it is for them a flagship watch. It's a 40 millimeter gold watch with a yeah with a new movement. And I think this movement, if they are able to also provide it in uh, in in other um, perhaps more affordable Grand Seiko models, I think that would really be a step forward. Um, this particular watch is limited to uh, 100 pieces worldwide. Mm-hmm. And for the low, low price of forty-five thousand euros. Uh, yeah, yeah, forty-five thousand euros, and um, I don't think it was actually the most expensive no. new Grand Seiko that we saw. They have some high jewelry pieces as well that uh, are almost reaching two hundred k. I think Karina wrote about one. Yep. Um, but this. But yeah. But the so I, I I really like this as well. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the date, but it's a. It's it's beautiful. Um, now I I happen to write about um, about two other pieces, um, hand engraved pieces for the 60th anniversary, and there are there's a platinum version um, that is pretty impressive. It's it's meant to evoke um, water dri- uh, dripping onto stone, basically, and. The watch is platinum. The dial is 18 karat uh, white gold, all hand engraved. The hands are hand engraved. And this is one of those pieces um, that RJ mentioned that's extremely expensive. It's only 20 pieces and, and 101,000 euros. Um, and, and and that's kind of neat stuff to see. But the one um, the, the one that I really like, and, and, and by the way, that piece and the one I'm about to talk about uses... Um, uses the slightly ovoid case that was um, introduced on the Elegance collection in 2019. 
which if you're a, a Grand Seiko person, uh, most of those pieces do also have a power reserve on their dial, um, but these don't. And the, the other piece that I'll talk a little bit about here um, is machine engraved on its dial, but it's done in green and it's got uh, a rose gold case. And oh, that one was amazing. Yeah, and, it, and it's, it's yeah. manual wind. It uses the 9S64 movement, 39 millimeters, um, just 120 of them to be built for 25,000 euros, which... I mean, you know, to, to compare it to the gold one we spoke about earlier, the normal production 60th anniversary piece at 27, you know, for a limited model here, this kind of, um, it, it's an interesting choice. Um, yeah. Certainly a different shape, a different color, uh, but I mean, stunning looking dial and the green, the way this matches up next to the rose gold. I don't know. I, 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 I certainly wouldn't throw away around that kind of money easily, but I, um, I'm going to be interested to see one just to try one on. I think it's just going to be a visual, um, circus for the eyes. It, it should just be tremendous. <laughs> so, yeah. And you actually wrote that you would take it over a Patek Philippe Calatrava. Yeah. Which is more or less the same price point, I guess. Yeah. I mean, and I have, I have to say, I agree with you there, um, but I think it's a, for a lot of people still a bold statement. It is, and and not like you see Pateks, um, you know, all over the place like you do, you know, like a Rolex. But um, I think, yeah, this would certainly be a a unique choice, and probably not the one that that most would would make instantly. But I, I just think this this is this watch has a lot of character and. It is add, brings a little bit something, you know, brings something different to the to the mix. So I'm a big fan. And just to just to let you know, that's the SBGW two six four. Beautiful, just beautiful. So let's see what uh, what uh, what happens in the next few months. I guess we will see some uh, some more things. Um, perhaps they will come up with some some new, I don't know, 60th anniversary models. But um, let's assume. Uh, these were the, the the celebration models, and uh, I'm more than happy to see the the, the regular models, uh, yeah, appearing uh, in in my mailbox. Unfortunately, I have to say the positive is they've got a huge fan base. They are always excited have, yeah. to see their watches, and I think you know, and they're truly global now. I mean, we know Japan soaks up a lot of these pieces on their own, so. You know, Seiko and Grand Seiko are fortunate now that they've gone global and they've got a, a good diverse following. So they'll they'll come out of this okay. So good. Yeah, I think so as well. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, that was it for uh, for for this podcast episode. I think. Yeah, and we'll 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 come back next week. Um, we'll hit some other news that happened this week, and who knows what else is coming. Um, but what I can tell people is that you know we're in touch with multiple watch companies, um, per day as a, as a group here and, you know, be assured that there is exciting stuff coming. I mean, the, the current issue at hand hasn't seemed to, to really stop, uh, plans and releases. I mean, a lot of these things have been on the way for a while and, you know, I saw some things today that I can't really talk about, but yeah, there's, there's, there's exciting stuff coming and, and we've got some, some exciting things coming too. So. Exactly. So we'll leave it at that for this week. And um, 
Give us a follow on at Fratello Watches on Instagram. You can follow our personal accounts. That will be at Mike in Frankfurt for Mike and at RJ Brewer for myself. And also don't forget to follow our Fratello Racing account. Yeah. And if you have any suggestions for the show, um, please uh, come to us uh, via email or direct message on Instagram, info at fratellowatches.com or info at fratello.com. And as always, be safe, wash those hands, and stay away from people. Thanks. One and a half meters. Thanks. <laughs>